Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. Welcome back to another episode of Leadership Conversations. This is Casey Sees along with my fearless co-host, Josh Reich. Josh, how are you doing today, man? Good. How's it going? Oh, I'm living the dream. Had a good cup of coffee or two. Uh, organic, of course, so I don't have any mildew or mold. Uh, organic actually, coffee? Oh, yeah. Is it all coffee organic? I mean, <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so, too. It's like organic bananas. Like, you know, if, if they spray stuff on the bananas that gets through the peel, and I'm sure someone listening, you know, they're far more granola than I am. They're going to send me a message. Uh, they probably will. Yeah, you can send a message to Josh. They might send you a banana. Leaderconvos.com. Watch my <laughs> mailbox be innovated, inundated with COVID-ridden bananas. Anyway, so today we're going to talk about working on versus working in your organization. There's a great old book by Michael Gerber called The E-Myth Revisited that um, advocates for the importance of working on. There's many books that talk about that, but that was one that was pivotal for me to get me to think different as a founder or a launcher, both in nonprofit but also in for-profit, church planting, NGOs or nonprofit organizations, uh, and in businesses. So Josh, tell me about your experience of working in versus working on. Well, I think most leaders are really good at working in their church or working in their organization because you see tangible results for it. And let's be honest, you have so much stuff to get done. You know, I mean, you have meetings to run, you have things to do. Um, and it's possible if you work on your church or work on your business that it may not be successful then. And how do you know if it's even worth the time? Um, and you know, as a pastor, especially as a church planter, you got to write a sermon every seven days and that takes, that takes time. And so I, I think for a lot of leaders, the big struggle is who has time to work on your business? Who has time to work on your church? You have just too many people to meet with and too much stuff to get done. So I just think that's a huge hurdle that a leader has to decide this is worthwhile. Absolutely. No, that's, that's 100% true. Uh, you know, as a coach myself, and even I'm actually working in business development consulting with a few clients right now, and, and the number one Achilles heel that every organization I've worked with, they have no written processes. So it's oral tradition rather than actual processes because they can do it. I mean, they just impulsively do it. And so one thing I, I tell anybody that's working in their business a lot or in their church is, you know, start identifying the pain points, things that you can do, but you probably shouldn't do. Um, or the because, workarounds. Or the workarounds, yeah. <laughs> or what the thing that? where you tell someone, this is how this gets done, and then you're like, no, this is how it really gets done. That's right, that's like, right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because yeah. every, every organization has that. They yep. have, you know, this is how we think it should happen, but then this is how it really happens. That's like a road crew on church planting, right? You know, like you, you have an idea of how, how it should happen. And then how those guys, once the pastor leaves to go to lunch with a family or something, how the road crew actually closes down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think it is wise to work in your organization for a while to learn, especially if you're coming into an organization, it's good to work in it to understand how it works. So for instance, I, there's a restaurant I've consulted with. My first day on site, I was the dishwasher because they had no written processes. And so I wanted to start at the very bottom. What really worked with that opportunity is working in the organization was I was below the wait staff even. So even though they're bringing me in to work on, you know, leadership development, employee development, process procedures, I positioned myself below them working in the organization. But doing See, that's that, really key. Yeah. That's really key because here, here's why. 
because in an organization you have like the executive team, the elders, you know, in a church, they'll say, this is how things get done. Mm -hmm. The admins are the ones who can tell you how things actually Actually get get done. That they're the, they're the ones who feel the pain points. So if you're a leader thinking, how do I find the pain points? You find the dishwasher, you find the admin, you you find the person who answers the phones, you know, you find the person who goes after the bills, you know, you go to those people because the executives have an answer that they think you're supposed to give. And, you know, the higher up you get, you live in kind of the kind of sometimes an imaginary leadership world. (laughs) Well, and also if you don't, yeah, I mean, that's the tension, right? Because working on the business doesn't mean you're not working in it, but what you're doing is, is, is slowing down to actually work on and improve. Yeah. Um, the problem in, I've seen in nonprofits, especially is that we just have a really good um, standard of mediocrity. Uh, and, and, and which is interesting because a lot of our leaders that are lay leaders in the church would not tolerate half of what goes on in their own organizations. That is interesting. It is interesting. I mean, and so you think through of, uh, you know, because, and they're all, I mean, a lot of our volunteers in church are highly competent people, Yeah. but most people will rise to the bar that we established. And what, what happens is a lot of leaders feel like they have to just only do the work in rather than work on. And, And what I mean by working on specifically is thinking through how to improve the experience of the customer or the parishioner, but also how to improve the experience of your employee or your volunteers, mm-hmm. um, how to improve, you know, in the processes, how to clarify message, how to give, you know, clarify vision and direction, creating solid feedback loops, capturing processes and procedures, training upon those, and then creating realistic process and procedures. All of those things are, are things that work on, and they may not bring uh, immediate dividends like like would meeting with a new visitor for coffee, or yeah. you know writing a sermon, or you know going out and do another sales call. But the reality is, if you ever want to actually grow a healthy organization, you have to work on the organization, yeah. not just in it. Yeah, well, and it's it's really making a decision today that you will feel the results of tomorrow and the day after that. Um, and, and that's the hard part. That's the tension that you have to decide it, you know, if you take that, that season and pull back, like, for example, the church that I planted, one of the things that we did was we felt like our small groups weren't doing very well. Um, you know, we heard different things from our leaders. We saw the types of disciples and leaders that they were developing. And so we actually shut our small groups down for six months to re-engineer them. Mm. And that was us working on our small groups and working on our church. Now, there were people who were upset. It made it hard to get people connected during that season. Uh, so there was there was a sacrifice and loss attached to it. But on the other side of it, our, our groups came out stronger. You know, we had a stronger system. Uh, we had a stronger plan um, that, you know, we decided to, to just say, hey, this is worth the loss right now so that we'll be able to do this three years from now. We'll have this type of leader three years from now. Otherwise, you just decide to stick your head in the sand and just hope that it changes. That's right. And how, how do leaders, Josh, give themselves permission to actually work on? Because a lot of people start things because they're, they're a technician, right? They're, they're good at what they do. They, they found preaching or teaching or discipling. They're great at doing that. 
Um, you have business owners. A lot of times we start companies based on things that we're good at doing. And, um, you know, so how do you, as a leader, give yourself permission to actually work on your organization? Well, I think the first step is being able to identify the things that you need to work on. You know, I mean, the, a lot of times we, you know, we'll sit in meetings, you know, and have anecdotal data. Well, it, you know, in church, this especially happens. Well, it feels like it's going well. You know, what kind of response we got? Well, we've gotten a good response. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, what what is a good response? You know, it, like, and have we actually attached a number to what a good response is on anything. Yep. Right. And so uh, until you, uh, until you have that. And so I think as leaders so often we're just willing to go, okay, well, you know, the student pastor said that the retreat went good. Okay. Well, how do you know? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, did you, how much did you spend on it? Was it worth the amount of money that you spent? You know, it was, I, I, here's one that I think is a simple thing to work on is who is in, who attends meetings? Like, so the way that I think about a meeting, I'll look around the room and I, I have no idea what everybody in our organization makes, but I have guesses. And so I'll look around the room and calculate how much money the church is spending for all of us to sit here for two hours. Yep. And I'll go, is the thing that we're talking about right now worth that much money? Is that a good use of resources when half of the people aren't engaged, are, are checked out, you know, every 10 minutes, you know, on the email or something like that. And so, so I think one of the things that especially churches are not very good at, and you can speak to businesses better than I can, but we're not very good at actually measuring things. So then if we, if we don't measure things well, then we don't know, what we should work on. We don't right. know what, what is broken. Um, we just have feelings about how things went and our feelings lie to us all the time. Like awesome. it really doesn't matter if you felt like Sunday was a great day or not. I mean, that, what does that, what does that even mean? Um, and I realize that sounds harsh, you know, but that's how that's your eight coming so out, many, buddy. I know, but I've sat in so many production meetings about a Sunday service where we evaluate it and people are like, well, it felt good. I really like that one song. <laughs> You know, and so, but so I think for a leader and for a pastor, you really have to be able to start diagnosing, okay, how are we tracking things? How do we know how we're doing? Um, how do we have a goal for how many leaders we want to develop each year? Do we have a goal for how many new small groups we want to launch? Do we have a goal for how many first time guests we want to have? How many return guests we want to have? How are we tracking those things? I mean, all of those things. Um, you know, I mean, and there's tons of stats out there to know, like, this is how many guests your church should have every year. This is how many new givers your church needs to have every single year to replace the ones who leave your church. Yep. So you, you just start to track some of those numbers and then you're able to know what you need to work on. Now, I think here's the struggle for leaders, especially for pastors is we don't want to admit that something might be broken. And there's a real fear especially if there's tenuous situations in your church or if it's not, if it's a volatile situation or if you followed a lead pastor that everybody loved, you don't want to talk about what might be broken. But I think that's the first step that has to happen is be able to track what might be broken in your church. Well, and you have to think about it. Certain bones when they're broken have to be rebroken to be properly fixed. Yep. Right. And so people aren't willing to do that. I mean, I see that with businesses all the time. I mean, I see businesses making millions of dollars, and there are some glaringly obvious things that need to be changed and fixed. 
but they're unwilling to do it because of, you know, because that's one, I think it's, well, that's how we've always done it. Yeah. And two, it's, well, it's going to hurt so-and-so's feelings, right? Where, you know, the fundamental flaw, I think, in that is, yes, there are ways to fix it by winning people along. That's leadership. But there's also times to acknowledge, hey, this is broken and it's hurting the relationships in our culture to continue it on this way. Yeah. And we've got to have courage and actually work on it and fix yeah. it. Um, you know, and I agree with, you know, with church, you don't want to, you know, I think the tension for, for like church world is, you know, you don't want to de-spiritualize it, yeah. but we have to understand that, you know, for some reason in the old Testament, we get numerical counts on sizes of armies, number of people, number of, you know, you know, the measurements of a tabernacle. I mean, yeah. so, so numbers oh, are people, you right. know in the gospels and the right. book of acts too. So then so the we, numbers just go away. Right. Right. <laughs> numbers are, numbers are part of it. There's actually yeah. a book in the Bible called numbers. Yeah. So part of it for sure. But, but part of it is, is numbers in and of themselves. You could have a thousand new people a week if you're giving out cash. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it's, it, 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 it's a mixture of, cars. you know, right. Cars, iPads, you know, yeah. but, 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 but I think even more importantly is what is our goal? Like what, what is a, in a church, what does a discipleship journey look like? Yeah. And then for a business, what does a customer journey look like? Really a win in marketing. You know, I specialize in marketing. Uh, marketing has done a good job when people have become brand ambassadors on your behalf because they've been thrilled with the product and the process. And so they, they're telling other people, they're bringing people in. Therefore your customer acquisition cost goes down. Because word of mouth is, is, you know, your advertising is just reinforcing your thrilled brand ambassadors. And I think the same thing is true for a church. Like you can run tons of ads, do tons of commercials, all that kind of stuff. Fine. But when your people are being, their lives are being transformed. And as Jim and Rich say at Crosspoint Ministry, you become a transformed and transforming presence. Then you're going to draw other people in as well. And so I think that you've got to match it with, uh, I think numbers and feel don't, aren't mutually exclusive. Sure. But it can, you know, you could have less it numbers one week, but more people profess Christ at a church, or you could have less, you know, customers come through, but the price per transaction goes way up, right? And still it can be a great time. And so I think that those are the things, but working on is you have to set some key performance indicators. Yeah. Like well, are I we think- going by playing percent? Is our giving going yeah. up? Are, are more people involved in community groups? Are more customers coming out? Are there more referrals coming in? Those are the gauges that working on your business helps you to be able to then have, you know, like the book Trellis and the Vine talks about, you know, you need both. You need the trellis and you need the vine. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, I I realize I'm harping on feelings, but I've just sat in so many. Well, because you have only one, Josh. That's that's true. It's true. As an eight, I mean, it's intensity. No No one has, no one has time for anything but being intense. That's it. I get you. You know, but the thing is, like, I mean, and you've sat enough stuff with pastors where the whole, the bar of how we evaluate something is how we felt it went. Yep. And how you feel something went really depends on where you stood in the room. Yep. And, and, and I so, usually felt horrible after preaching, so. You know. And every so, Sunday was horrible. Yeah. I, I think, I think it tells you something, but I think we, we allow, we give it too much credence in the church world. Yep. We give our feeling of, because our feeling may just be, we felt, we felt like it didn't go well because it didn't feel as energetic or that it didn't feel as full as we hoped it would, it would be. 
Yep. So we're going to wrap up this topic. Hey, if you're listening to this, you're a leader, whether you're a church leader or a church planter or a business owner, and you are struggling working on your business, not in it. Josh and I both are coaches, work with organizations and help out in determining next best steps. Josh and I are both uh, accepting a few coaching clients. Um, and so we'd love to connect with you. You can go to leadercombos.com and we'll have more information there. Or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, wherever the people are shopping these days. So thanks for listening. We look forward to being with you next time. Goodbye and God bless. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Cease. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com.